What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Hitting the High Notes, where we're actually going to hit the high notes today. Um, uh, I'm on, of course, with Mr. Go the Distance 49 himself, Mr. Jared Barker. What's up, man? Hey, man. How you doing? Jazz. Uh, Go Jazz. Go Jazz. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, doing pretty good. We, we actually get the podcast after a Jazz win, uh, which is nice. We haven't had that in a, in a couple weeks, so. Gasp gasp um uh we're also on with um uh returning guest uh the host of a brand new um uh podcast called jazz after dark and actually someone i like to call a friend um uh he's gary lives uh gary the unicorn what's up gary or as i call you matt you should call me matt that's my name and name. i didn't know we were friends but if that's what you want to consider <laughs> me that's fine I, you know, I, I consider you a friend. I don't know what you consider me, but I consider you at least an acquaintance of some sort. I, I consider you my Vietnamese acquaintance. There you go. I like that. Done and done. But, but not in a bad way, right? No, you know, people that's... have delicious food. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not wrong. So <laughs> he's not. No, he's yeah. not. No, in fact, that is uh, now. Now let me let me show my ignorance here. Bon mi right. sandwiches. That's that's uh, Vietnamese. Yes. This is good job. Is I've had That's several right. of those over the last few years, and they are incredible. Right, a little pork fish sauce, sauce. <laughs> a lot of fish sauce, but it's good stuff. I know fish sauce makes people. It sounds weird when you say fish sauce, but it's actually really good. People, if you hadn't had it, you know, try it. You know, really good yeah. people making really good food. People, right? The uh, Vietnamese are also responsible for pho, right? But that is that is correct. All right, yeah, it's called yeah, pho. That's correct. <laughs> is it are you a faux person yeah if i'm a fake person now we're speaking your language french continue it's not my show <laughs> but um uh let's um uh, so the intro today um uh we just got done recording an episode of jazz after dark uh finished about an hour ago um and when i say we i mean all three of us uh matt here he hosts that podcast and he had i want to say 20 of us on it feels like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crowded. <laughs> and, uh, as I texted him after, it was like it was like the one time where, like, we've been trying for weeks to get on and nobody could get on, and all of a sudden, like, eight people were able to get on at the same time. So it was weird, but we got bedlam, bedlam. Um, uh, but we here, we, we you know, we're not gonna do any after dark stuff. Um, uh, Matt, I want to give you a chance here. Do you want to have the sensor filter off? Do you want to be able to swear? I don't need to swear. You don't need to. Okay, well, you know, I, the the filter's off. I can always put explicit because I'm probably not going to do much editing editing to this podcast. So, <laughs> you really think that I have a problem with that? No, I just I, I, some people like it, so I like to let them um, have what they like. No, you're good. Yeah. So, um, uh, folks, um, uh, again, we alluded to, to it earlier. Uh, Matt here hasn't he wasn't able to watch the game because he was actually having podcast hosting duties, but all of us watched it while we podcasted. Uh, the Jazz um, uh, get the victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. Uh, and I think Jazz Twitter is going to step off the ledge uh, for at least a night to um, uh, enjoy the win. Well, a certain percentage of them will. Oh, what do you mean by that? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's still at least 10%. There, I saw someone that Tony Jones quote tweeted that was talking about us allowing 115 points to Minnesota was or 110 plus to Minnesota was not ideal. So, yeah, well, you know, you can't you can't win them all. So, yeah. Um, uh, uh, so catch them all, right? <laughs> Got to catch them all. Um, 
fact that that uh, Matt and I went to see a Pokemon movie. <laughs> that was oh, yeah? the worst night of my life. <laughs> no, you said it made for good people watching. Interesting. I suppose so. So I mean, I'm assuming this is about Detective Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> yes. M- yes. Mutant zoos are always interesting. So <laughs> was fine. Well, you know, before we get to jazz talk, what what the hell is this story? Tell me what happened here. I want context. So I I have a very specific privilege, um, and I'm not checking any specific kind of privilege. I'm just notifying you. Occasionally, I am able to uh, attend events, including movies, and I do that in exchange for uh, some of my feedback on the event, right? So I essentially get free experience, and I invited anyone within shouting distance to attend with me. Yours, uh, your little guy here, Jared, he attended, which was fun. And then Austin attended. Yeah, a.k.a. Donovan Swishel. Shout out to our boy. So I like Austin. He's a good, good guy. So they He's were married now. It's crazy. Okay. They said, let's go see detective Pikachu because we're children and you're not. And so I said, <laughs> that's fine. And I spent about 90 minutes, uh, making that the same face that, you know, like that Nick Cannon gif where he's like, huh? <laughs> I spent 90 minutes doing that. Well, that's not Nick like, Cannon. That's Nick Young. I don't know. <laughs> Nick Cannon has been in the news. Okay, so he looks, so he looks similar, but these guys they do they do like look very similar. Holding their pud, drooling and smiling, and I didn't. That's know not even true, but okay, entirely true. In fact, I caught both of them. They had napkins, so I just moved it to a different row and let them do it. <laughs> wow! Actually, we have a we. He actually did uh, for the Sci-Fi podcast. He recorded us. I don't know if he used that material, but he uh, wanted our reactions on it and. We both said it was like for a forgettable movie, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. forgettable. There uh, might have been some reaction time I used. I don't remember. Yeah. Well then, I'm um, okay. Well, I'm um, uh, Matt here is a is a connoisseur of podcasting. He's been doing it for a long time. So uh, we'll get to that later. But first, let's get back to the Jazz here. The Jazz with the win, uh, going 14 11. Um, it was a big win. The Jazz really needed the win. Donovan uh, played very well. Joe Ingles again. No Mike Conley. Um, and this is a, uh, so like I said, we got done recording an episode of jazz after dark. And, uh, um, uh, one of the questions that, um, Matt posts us, and I don't remember if you actually, um, answered it yourself, but like Matt, what is it about what right now on jazz Twitter is bugging you? Honestly, it's, it's the same thing that bothers me with virtually all fandom. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a head case. I'm annoying. I get that. It's, it's largely who I am. It's partially shtick, but, but really it's, it's the, the rabid inconsistency from, and I just, I just a few moments ago, actually put a tweet out about this where you have people that two days ago were talking about how they don't think they're jazz fans anymore. This is the worst thing ever. Quinn should be fired. The works. Right. And tonight they're like, I'm going to name my baby Donovan Mitchell. So, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. I feel like there's a difference between rabid fandom and complete idiocy. And I feel like jazz Twitter trends on complete idiocy during the season in particular. And I'm sure most fan bases do that, but I have primary exposure to this one. So that's what I see. Yeah. Uh, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't heard jazz after Twitter or jazz after Twitter, jazz after dark yet, uh, Matt did ask uh, Jared, 
what his thoughts about Jazz Twitter were. And uh, Jared, I think you misheard or misinterpreted what he was. Yeah, asking. yeah, but, I did. Jared, what would what do you, what are uh, the Jazz Twitter trends that are, are bothering you? The ones that bother me. Uh, well, it's mostly. I mean, we all nobody's a fan of the hyperbole and the crapping all over the Conley trade and. You know, in hindsight, they think they're geniuses to crap on that. Um, I mean, the the fa- I, I think Matt touched on it perfectly about how you know we trend towards. Uh, I mean, trade talk is 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 pretty annoying, especially when it's very clear that the Jazz have no intention to trade anyone. Um, I, I'll participate in a little bit of that, but only for a thought exercise type stuff. Like I don't seriously consider or seriously want players thinking that I want any of them traded. Cause honestly um, it takes, as we covered on the other podcast, it takes a while for players to get used to playing in, in the system that Utah runs. So uh, why would we want to get, have them get used to it and then just trade them away? I mean, it is, it doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. I'm a, uh, I, and I get what you're saying. Cause th- there's actually somebody who, I don't know if they follow me or uh, if they listen to this podcast even, and I'll just call him Josh because I don't even know his real name. I don't know the person. I don't want to bring up his tweets and I haven't heard to defend himself. But I remember last year he said something about when the Jazz were kind of in a slide, and he said something like, "Oh, Quinn Snyder's not a top five coach," and like I, I just thought about that comment, going, "Okay, well, what does that mean then? You know, like do you have to have a top five coach to um uh, to be a championship ch- championship contender." Because for a long time, the Jazz had Jerry Sloan, who for many years was at least a top five coach, and that didn't make them a championship contender, or it did for a little bit, but, you know, for two yeah. years, I guess. They had so, a two-year oh, window. Yeah, or, I mean, they had a longer window, I guess. They got to the championship um, uh, for two years, but, like, I don't know, do you have to have a top five coach? Like, does Quinn Satter need to change? Like, I just don't understand, like, talking in those terms, like, oh, he's not a top five coach, or... Uh, those statements are weird to me. Like, okay, what does that mean if he's not a top five coach? Like, and I, I even agree with him going, you know what? He may not be a top five coach. Doesn't mean I think he's a bad coach, you know? So those are just weird statements. I see people make a, a lot like, oh, well, these guys now when they say things like, oh, maybe Quinn's system is too complicated. And uh, we touched on this, like how it is very complicated. And um, maybe that Quinn should be more flexible and have players play his way. And I don't know. I, I, I thought that was an interesting way thing to talk about. Like, should coaches bend to put their game plan towards the personnel they have or have the personnel bend to their game plan? What do you guys think? Well, to revert back to what you're saying, I mean, top five coach is so subjective that you are wrong if somebody doesn't agree with you. And, and it, it's, it's really foolish, those kind of statements, those kind of arguments. They're fun and they can... They can be less subjective, perhaps, at times than at other times. But is he a top five coach? I don't know. Does his team have a have a winning record in the top five? No. So does that make him not a top five coach? There's a lot of variables, a lot of factors. So before I answer anything else, I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but um, uh, uh, I think you make a very good point. Uh, Very good point on the subjectivity of top five coach. I mean. Uh, if he's not a top five coach, I mean, the the fact that he's been in coach of the year discussions, like what, two or three years running seems to be interesting to say the least. Right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that really, the only thing that I really get bothered about with Quinn and, and, and you know, this is, to, 
this is to say it bothers me to an extent that you know i'm a fan sure and i'm uh, if we're losing you know it'll bother me but um when when something just doesn't seem like it's not working and quinn seems slow to go away from it like uh running moutier at the point and giving exum limited playing time like we're not really getting a chance to see what exum could do and then you know when we're down 20 and the game is basically over dante gets some run that kind of thing you know will bother me here and there but overall I know he's very much more well-qualified than I am to make any kind of decisions when it comes to basketball. So, I mean, I always take that kind of thing with a grain of salt, regardless of what I ever have to say online or or to people, you know, when talking about the Jazz. Uh, Bottom line, Quinn is a, a great coach. Yeah, that's more than fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I understand the, there's a lot of Moutier and XM, uh, talk on Twitter right now. We've all seen it. Um, and I, I think it is, it is fair. It's weird to try to find a spot. Cause I mean, I said a, a lot of times when, uh, XM was coming back from injuries, like, well, I don't know where they slot him in. Like, where do they find minutes? Who do they take minutes away from? And, um, it's, you know, in, in the off season, it sounded like they were moving Exum from the point guard position to the wing position, and I I, I don't have an answer for why um, um, Moudier gets a longer leash. It feels like than Dante Exum um, tonight. Actually, uh, I guess the Timberwolves Moudier played pretty well. I mean, we have to give him that. He Moudier does, and I, I do say that Moudier brings uh, certain elements that Dante doesn't. But Dante, on the flip side, also brings you know defense that Moudier doesn't have, and um, uh, some other intangibles, but yeah, I, I, it is weird. The Moody XM um, uh, um, minute distribution is, is weird. But again, as Jared, you know, you said, you know, Quinn, Quinn gets to see not only them in the 48 minutes they play in the game, but practices and shoot arounds and all those other stuff that he takes into account. So that's probably why it, it frustrates fans because they don't get to see that and they don't get to see his thought process of why he puts some uh, certain players in certain positions. Um, Josh also was talking to me today on Twitter and um, uh, I wish he was, I invited him on to talk about his tweet, but he had said something about uh, the off season. He, he thought the jazz made some bad moves, which I thought was interesting because I know I did. And a lot of people did um, uh, talk, thought the jazz had a very excellent off season. Um, and I know now we're playing the hindsight 2020 game and everything. And, um, he let's just say there's people on Twitter who think the Conley treat is fine, but the Jazz um, uh, are not doing well with Ed Davis and Jeff Green and Moutier, and I think that's fair. Those those three players have not, um, you know, played particularly well for long stretches. The problem I have is that we look back and you know Moutier and uh, and Jeff Green came to Utah on minimum contracts, and Ed Davis um. Uh, uh, came to the Jazz in the room MLE, the mid-level exception. I just don't see, you know, looking back in the offseason, what moves the Jazz could have made because they spent all their money on Conley and and uh, Jeff Green. I'm sorry, Conley and um, well, uh, yeah. Bogey. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just don't know what other moves the Jazz could have made with their limited resources. And how do you guys feel about like um, uh, the offseason for the Jazz, you know, 24 days later, uh, knowing that it's been a little rough. We've seen them play. It hasn't been great. But, um, uh, again, the Jazz had limited resources. Um, do you guys have any ideas of something the Jazz could have done better 
uh, with the power of hindsight. Go ahead. Uh, let's go with you, Matt, Matt, first. I don't think it's about what they could have done better. Um, I think that that's a dangerous game that fans of all sports tend to, in my opinion, kind of roll with too much. What could have they have done better? A number of things. Maybe to the to the uh, you can get, kind of get into the minutia of little things too. Could they have practiced more hours early? Could they've eaten less pizza in the off season? There's a number of things the Jazz could have done better. But in context, who could they have picked up? Who could they have maybe not uh, lost? Right? I think we don't maybe give enough consideration to the fact that losing someone like Hal Neto has actually been a detriment to the team when we don't have much of a choice and we're looking to put in either Moody or Exum, neither of whom have played particularly well this season. I feel that, that, that pain of loss of someone who maybe isn't a great basketball player, but who is so ready to come in and, and, and kind of spark oh, yeah. an insurgence, right. And, and give us some invigoration that we are missing right now. What we are missing is someone with that kind of motivation. I mean, Alec Burks, will always be a beloved jazz member, right? I mean, you've got very specific mm. people like Chris on KSL who love Alec Burks, maybe a little too much, but Alec Burks was great. A nice guy. Uh, he, he did a lot of fun things. He had a, a nickname, you know, Houdini, whatever. But one thing he did is when he came into the game, he came in and he was ready to play and he was going to give it his all if we were down 25 with three minutes left. And Hal Neto did the same kind of thing. And more than that is he would come in and occasionally he would play quite well and we'd have a 10-point swing and all of a sudden things were looking up again. I think what we could have done better, perhaps, in not picking up a free agent or maybe not making a trade that would have had more of an impact now, because I think Mike Conley and Bogdanovich in particular are, are good acquisitions. But I think losing favors is a clear one, but we didn't have much of a choice there. I think losing Neto is one of those small things that maybe makes enough of a difference that on some nights it's the difference between winning and losing, or maybe it's the difference between losing by five instead of 20. I, I would tend to agree with that. I I think Neto was, he he was kind of like the perfect spark plug system guy for us um, when he was healthy. And, you know, it's nice to see him getting a chance with the, with the Sixers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that loss is definitely felt um, by by all of us. I, I would I'd have to say because he he really was that guy that like uh, if nothing was going right, sometimes he could hit a timely three or you know just he'd be playing tenacious defense even if he didn't get the stop. It, it would rev other guys up. It seemed like and um, I know jazz jazz fans and Trevor Booker himself are kind of like saying, yeah, Booker Booker could be that guy for us, but he's been out of the league for like two years. Like, I really don't think that that's a smart game to play. <laughs> oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, because, Jared, what you're referring to is that Trevor Booker has been kind of uh, subtweeting the Jazz, saying that he could <laughs> come in and play some minutes for him, for the Jazz, excuse me. Um, yeah. You know, Matt, I... I know we've had a. I know Jared and I have t- talked about Howell Neto on this podcast a lot, and I've actually said that I think he's, you know, average to below average. And uh, you know, with but, but what you said though is actually kind of made me think about going. You know what? Maybe you're right. Like, I mean, God, he at least he was consistent. I guess uh, that's the thing about Moody. I think that Moody has maybe a higher ceiling some, some nights, but the floor for Moody is definitely lower than 
someone like Kyle Netu who doesn't really um uh, lose your games where it feels like Moody and Jeff Green sometimes come in and they like they really suck the energy out and uh, lose lose the games for the Jazz. I don't know. I'm not saying it's them only, but they contribute um, uh, to some problems that we see from the Jazz. The ball not moving, the ball sticking, um, yeah. well, the offense not running, uh, the motion offense. Uh, you know, just just some small things that we see from those guys because they are ball stoppers. Um, you know, they're, they're all, you know, Jeff Green was the number five pick in the NBA, uh, NBA draft. Uh, he was a star um, in college. Uh, he was a guy that was the third, uh, second or third option for most of his career. So yeah, the ball, the ball stops with him a lot. Moody also a guy that, uh, skipped college to, um, uh, go play professionally, uh, overseas was a lottery pick, a guy that was given the keys in Denver very early on. So yeah, he's, a, he's also a bar, ball stopper. Um, he said, yeah, maybe you need guys like how Neto who know the role, you know, they, they, they're like, Hey, you know, this, my job is what Joe Ingles does. Joe Ingles says his, his job is always to get other people involved, which is why he frustratingly, frustratingly, um, uh, gives up a lot of open three sometimes. Cause he's always looking for a slightly better shot. Well, one thing that we see quite a bit is, and I, I blame Donovan Mitchell for this as much as anybody. I mean, I wouldn't go on record saying that he's the worst we've seen, nor is he the worst that we've experienced even in recent years. But there's a heavy, heavy chucker syndrome. There just is. I think that you know people talk about missing Jay Crowder, and I get it. He's a nice guy, all caps, loves God, good guy, right? But he was a chucker, and anyone who argues that is in denial. I think you know he would stand at the three point line and just toss the ball with all of his vigor and all of his might he would fall down you know for a for a fairly decent sized guy he seemed easy to knock down which i find strange but he would he would chuck the ball donovan has a a recent history at least of kind of chucking the ball and some of that i think is predicated on poor play from the rest of the team he doesn't know exactly what to do moutier hardcore chucker that's something that we've seen on this team more lately than we have in a while which has been very very frustrating because I don't think that works anywhere in the league. So while I don't think that Neto is going to, you know, pun include pun intended, you know, net a bunch of wins, I don't think he was apt to do those kind of things, which I find just kind of reprehensible. Ingles is largely the same way. Not too much of a chucker. But I think the Jazz are really missing right now, and what they've been missing this season largely tends to be a sense of knowing oneself. It, cohesively and and as a collective unit, I don't feel like the jazz has a tremendous amount of self-awareness, which means that how to correct mistakes doesn't seem like it's something that is being improved upon with consistency. Sure. They had a great night tonight and they're going to have a great night here and there. And we're facing this long stretch of sub 500 teams. I expect a lot of wins, but what happens when they figure it out for reals? And that's what I think the team's been missing. They can figure it out for a night. They can figure it out for a quarter. They can score whatever it is, 40-plus points in a single quarter the other night while still getting destroyed. But if they don't have the ability to actually have self-awareness to the point where, that's from Quinn down, saying, what are we doing? You know, let's actually make these changes. It doesn't matter what changes the team made in the offseason. They don't have a chance. So we'll see if that happens, of course. So I guess this brings me back to my uh, uh, sort of my original point was, is it does it Quinn to um uh, is it his job to get the personnel to do just that or do we need to make a personnel change 
somewhere. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Quinn's job. I don't know that a personnel change makes enough of a difference unless we get that missing piece, which seems to be who knows who that is, or a significant enough pickup that they can just slide in and make an instant impact, which probably won't happen. Yeah, and, and I think the the really what we're missing right now is um, yeah more pass first players and more mm-hmm. and and getting back to that pass first identity because that that's what really made us successful in years years past the ball would move around and and tonight you know we saw a lot of that ball movement and the jazz were very successful tonight so as long as that trend continues as long as they keep moving the ball and stop you know letting donovan get the ball st- stopped in his possession or letting Moutier stop the ball in his possession or having, you know, whoever it is that any given night, just stop the ball. As long as they continue that trend of movement, you know, Joe Ingles was pretty aggressive tonight, which worked to in their favor. I mean, he scored like 23 and uh, yeah, he had a great night. Probably the best, his best night of the year. Yeah, it was so very it's... good defensively. The team seemed very connected. Uh, we'll see if that continues. Yeah, so it sounds like I'm uh, the, maybe the Jazz um, went too far in the offseason uh, because last year they had too many pass first guys versus this year they, you know, Moutier, Green, um, Bogey, and Conley, basically four out of their five big offseason pickups are all score first guys. And now the balance is off again. And, you know, you guys are both Star Wars fans. There always needs to be balance in the force, right? <laughs> yeah, there never is, though. I I do think that something that's kind of critical to that is that I see. How do I put this without sounding like an idiot? Maybe it's too late. Um, Pass first is very important, very important, but they also have to be able to make the pass. So it's just been glaringly obvious within recent games that they either don't know how to pass well, or they're, they're not putting in the attention that is deserved because it blows my mind, for example, to see how many times someone will drive into the lane w- with clearly no intention of shooting the ball. But they also don't know where they're going to be passing it, which means that when it comes time to pass it, when they've got three people guarding them, the ball either goes wild or it, it doesn't land quite where the player is, or it's ineffective enough that it's the ball is either stolen or somebody else is able to recover quickly enough on defense and guard the guy who gets the ball. It just looks terrible. So pass first is very important, I think. And it's something that does differentiate between teams of success and teams of failure. We not only don't have the pass first mentality now, we also don't have the past well mentality, which I think is, is, if not worse, very close to it. Yeah. Jared, I'm uh, he actually listened to uh, Tony Jones latest podcast and sent me a text about this earlier about how, Donovan at point is a is not a great passer. You want to expand on that, um, uh, uh, Jared? Well, he, well, Tony and uh, so Tony and Zach Harper were mostly just talking about how, uh, you know, what what are the answers for this team, that kind of thing, and um, and Tony started talking about how if if Donovan played at the point, uh, other players would hardly ever see the ball because, and he said right now it looks like what Donovan's doing is he's trying to put the team on his back like all the time and you know this is how i contribute i go get mine i go score um and he what and he hasn't been looking to get other guys involved enough and i think we saw a departure from that tonight however i mean 
do we see that continue? I don't know. I mean, is this a one night thing, a one off? Uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Oh, I, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna make a, um, uh, an analogy here that I'm gonna hate myself because I haven't thoroughly thought it out, especially since I said I just I'm hearing this for the first time. But it's <laughs> sort of like I'm a Jimmer in college, right? Jimmer, uh, yeah. college fans. Uh, well, hold on, let me finish my thought. Jimmer, I'm a with a point guard in college, and people are like, oh yeah, he can pass. Look at his assist numbers. But it's also because he scored in bunches that I'm a. It was easier for him to get passes because he would drive or he would always have a double or triple team. It was easy to find the open guy. Um, when Donovan's not scoring well, teams aren't doubling him, tripling him, or forcing him in certain ways. Tonight, he was scoring very efficiently that the defense had to collapse on him, and he was able to find guys that were open, I guess. But it yep. wasn't... Yeah, it, you know, that doesn't mean... You know, and, and I don't want to harp on this because Donovan played a very good game. Um but you know, playmaking is more than just being able to find a guy that's open. It's be able to throw a pass to a guy who to get them open, you know, or get a guy to the right spot, throwing it to and making sure and that's trusting a good them point. they're going to get right. So yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, being able to run an offense is more than just passing to an open guy. I would definitely agree with you there. So, so. I, I feel re- I feel really icky making that comparison, and I'm going to go punish myself uh, accordingly. Uh, we're going to take a, a small break, do a little commercial break here. We're going to come back. Um, uh, we'll do a little more jazz talk, but really we're going to do a little more uh, Gary the Unicorn talk. Talk about jazz after dark and just some uh, podcasting gen- in general. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off-Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. All right, folks, welcome back to Hitting the High Notes, uh, where we're joined with uh, Jared Barker and at Gary Lives, um, uh, formerly Gary the Unicorn. What was, what was your former handle there, man? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it was something like Go Go Gary Unicorn. Or That's right. It, it might have been, yeah. And then in years past, it was GTU Show. GTU Show. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, um, Gary, who um, uh, has somehow snuck past his Twitter ban and I'm uh, got back on. <laughs> uh, is that Gary doing the ghost noise again or what? No. Yeah, I was just... I didn't think so. They're not but, ghost uh, noises. It's, it's noises that are supposed to be the absence of sound. Oh, white noise. Mm. White noise. There, that's it. Right. Uh, that's the inside joke. Um, uh, we, uh, we, like I said, we taped earlier. Recorded earlier. Uh, we recorded Jazz After Dark, which is a brand new podcast that um, uh, Matt here has started. Uh, why did you want to do a Jazz After Dark um, uh, podcast, uh, Matt? And that's a fair question. Um, well, to be honest with you, there's there's a couple of reasons. So first and foremost, it's like this. There are not enough jazz podcasts because there are too many. Now, why I say that is because there's so many that eventually some of them have to drop off and die, which creates a vacuum or a void, and I'm able to slide in and do my thing. That definitely uh, really, does seem like that happens a lot. 
It honestly, does. actually. Uh, the real reason is because I, I've, I've had other podcasts and I've loved doing it. I've been podcasting for over a decade now and I've really enjoyed it, but I, I find myself with very little time and I find myself with very little uh, ability to do as much structure as I like and to do as much uh, production value as I like and as much planning as I like. And that it's hard for me. It's something that I want to do very badly, but at this point in my life, I've got a lot of things going on and not necessarily all good things. Um, I needed to make, take a break, a clean break, but I didn't want to stop podcasting and I didn't want to stop, um, really devoting a lot of time to talking about something I love very much, which is the Utah jazz. And I also don't really care much for some of the guarded ways in which people discuss life in general, for sure. But but the jazz and jazz culture, which is heavily influenced by jazz Twitter in particular. And one of the things that I find interesting is language. I studied English for a long time. I've done a lot of writing. Uh, I've actually done a lot of study on language and, and how uh, pervasive language in particular is something that uh, ranges across the board. So people will find something particularly offensive here, but not there, or they'll find you know, we use terminology in the United States that in other predominantly English-speaking countries like the UK, uh, or specifically in in England, they don't find offensive. They use terms we don't find offensive that uh, they do. So I've, I'm fascinated by how that works. And on Twitter in particular, you've got a, a great number of people who are offended by a great number of things that I find silly, and you've got a great number of people who aren't offended by anything that jazz fans might find offensive. And given the proclivity of many, many jazz fans to be of a particular religious denomination where swearing is somewhat frowned upon, I find it fun for me to kind of bathe in those waters. It's really <laughs> not how I talk in everyday life so much. Or I, I, I have a professional life where I don't actually do a lot of cursing or um, exercising of the creative language at work. And with my children, I certainly don't do too much of that. I'm actually quite calm and quite patient with them. I try not to raise my voice. I try not to use obscenities or profanity around them. And with my family in general, I'm not like that. But with my my friends, uh, particularly in in times of excitement, it can get that way. And on Twitter, I find it fun to just kind of let loose the lions a little bit. And part of that turned into the idea of, of me realizing there's not a lot of representation in the podcast world. Uh, especially in in the in the Utah Jazz podcast world that allows for that kind of content. So I thought, why not? After Dark is a terminology, or it is part of terminology typically referred to um, in the entertainment world that allows for some, I don't want to say lewdness, but maybe uh, far more mature content, you know, with After Dark or was up all night on the USA Network growing up. It was for... Um, not quite softcore porn, not like the Skinamax stuff, but it was definitely, <laughs> you know, boobs and, and bombs and, and uh, adventure stuff. And I, I just find that aspect of life humorous. And so I thought, why not go that route? And people supported me in it. And we have done a lot of listeners yet. There's only been, I think this will be the fifth episode releasing tomorrow, which will be the 12th of December. Uh, but I'm not necessarily pushing this anywhere either. I don't have the I don't have the intent to share this with a lot of people that I know. I don't really want some people I know listening to it so much because I do kind of just say what I'm thinking, which is where I, I will absolutely take people like uh, 
I don't want to mention Jimbo's name, but people on Twitter who I don't necessarily uh, <laughs> get along with or, or agree with their inside or think that they have a shtick that is that is tired or annoying. And uh, I will be very candid about that, right? Hey, uh, someone that I've kind of come after a couple of times, not because I think uh, he's a bad guy. It's because I think he's a horribly irritating human being to follow on Twitter. And I feel like it warrants me calling him names um, in the spirit of, of lightheartedness. And I hope that it comes across enough like that, that people can find it fun and interesting and not take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, I honestly, that joke that, that never gets old when you say that I don't want to bring up any names and then he just name drops. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Well, um, the, the point behind that joke is that I do think that the t- Twitter, Utah jazz, Twitter's longest running joke teller you want to call him jokes would be jimbo slice right i don't find him funny i never have i think he's a nice enough guy and at one time we were twitter followers of each other but i don't think he's funny he's got three shticks uh derek fisher lied that gordon didn't call gail and um i don't mean to be dramatic but i'm going to insert my penis into it uh uh ninja you know whatever what are those things called? Blender. Uh, you, you, you might have you don't have, you might have sweat bullets. You might have to make the explicit tag on this one, Hugh, unless you want to. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. Okay. No, what was it? What was explicit? Nothing explicit. <laughs> under the under the rules of, of uh, oh really? Nothing oh, I good. said there constitutes explicit. Oh, oh good, I'm glad. <laughs> now, the, the point is, is not that this guy is an idiot or that he has stupid ideas or anything of this sort, right? Is that I don't think that's funny. And I think that he has something that he he's beating a dead horse in the extreme. So in my own way, because most of my jokes are for me and not for others, uh, I make fun of that by repeating my own joke several times. And I, I think that the uh, it, the meta ness of that. Funny. I'm sorry for using that term. Yeah, um, uh, this is uh, Matt's second episode on the hideouts with us. And after the first episode, I saw um, fans um, uh, tweet out or say, "Hey." Heard um uh, Gary Unicorn on a podcast, and um uh, you know we kind of because this is when he was still banned from Twitter, and um uh, the sentiment that I saw that I th- laughed at a lot was someone said, "Man, I'm uh, I kind of miss that guy. He was an asshole, but he was our asshole." <laughs> and so I thought that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's a that's a great way to express it. I really don't think he's. Uh, he's as intense or as bad as people seem to think he is. Like if they, if they listen to like, for example, if they listen to Matt on this podcast, that's, this is more akin to what Matt is than just, you know, the random ramblings that sometimes you'll see on Twitter or, or like, it it seemed like a lot of times Matt would become a magnet for criticism and people would want to be like, just be like, I don't agree with you on this. Let's fight. You know, <laughs> which is why I do it. Partially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I agree. Like, because uh, Matt talked about earlier about you know studying like language and like what makes people tick. I guess. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I'll tell a story about when um, another podcast friend. I guess I'll call her. I don't. Know, maybe she doesn't think we're friends. I don't know. Maybe she just thinks <laughs> of somebody. Um, uh, is, this, her, is this? Do I know you? Oh no. No, no. When when Add to the Maxim uh, came and visited us uh, in Utah, we hung out, and you know, get, uh, Matt here is you know he he plays a character, sort of a shtick, um, in life that was annoying her, and uh, um, like he was he would tell me a joke or something, and I'd play along, and she was like, "What is this?" 
Like I'm nothing like my podcast personality. And I'm not saying this is like a shtick I'm doing or personality. I just, I have a different tone for how I live my life versus how I am trying to be professional on a podcast, I guess. And so, um, yeah, I kind of get it, you know? Well, and it's not to say, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying and I don't necessarily disagree. I am the same person, believe it or not. Uh, but, but I exercise a different way of communicating who I am, which is to say that I don't shy away from anything I say on, on Twitter or on social media or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I have no problem saying that I, I, I've proven it when it's, uh, been asked of me that that's how I am in real life. And if I call someone something on Twitter, chances are I would call them that to their face because I try to be authentic. I try to be who I am. But, but at the same time, I might call someone that, but I will, to be fair, I might actually say afterwards, like, you want to go grab lunch? It's on me. Like, I, I genuinely want to be a nice enough guy, and I, I do care about what people um, think. I care about their feelings. I, I, I care enough, and I, I am sincere in that I want people to be happy, and I want to have a good experience, and I want life to be great. But I also don't really want to spend my life pretending that everything is extreme and cool and hip and whatever like as far as i'm concerned everyone's an idiot and i'm one of you not you two you're both idiots but i mean the world is an idiot uh, collectively and i'm right there with you so i think everybody should always just be a little bit or a lot more willing to kind of just relax poke fun at each other poke fun at ourselves particularly poke fun at situations more than anything and you know and then off, offer to help somebody out at the end of the day that that's how i see it so when i make fun of jared for being um, somebody who has a penchant for watching young men skateboard recently. like that concerns me. But then I realize that's okay as long as he doesn't go do things that maybe he's thinking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Nailed it. My goodness. Nailed it. Oh, uh, my goodness. Matt, you, I'm a, you mentioned that I'm a, you've been podcasting for a long time. You, you're podcasting before it was cool before like it even was anything you know um uh why um uh, so like this is I, I know this is my first venture into podcasting uh this is obviously jared jared what are you doing <laughs> i'm sorry i was just looking at some papers to take my mind off the uh the personal insults no worries like we can look at you. pictures of young men on skateboards i mean i understand that's his thing <laughs> but i'm uh, uh I want to say this is like Jared's one of his first times I'm a podcasting, um, you know, and so we're learning as we're going. And um, uh, what do you like so much about podcasting there, uh, Matt? Uh, I mean, a big part of it legitimately is learning as you're going, meaning that's one of the things I like so much about it. Uh, I'm far from an expert, right? I think I've probably myself recorded or, or hosted, I don't know three or 400 episodes of podcasts. So not, not as many as a lot of people, right? There's people who are in the thousands. Uh, but I've been on many and I, I find that I'm always learning something new and there's no really right or wrong way to do it. But the thing that I love most about podcasts is the same thing that I love about uh, getting together with a group of friends or uh, having the opportunity to write articles. I've written many, many articles over the years for various online publications for some in print publications. Uh, I've written under Matt Daniels. I've written under Gary Unicorn. I've written under other names um, because I have different tones that I tend to use and different writing styles. And I, it keeps me sharp and it's enjoyable for me. 
I think the number one problem we have in the world is a true lack of communication, which is essentially a two-way flow of ideas. I communicate my thoughts to you, you receive my thoughts, which acknowledges that I've said them, and then you return your thoughts to me and I acknowledge them. That is how we solve all the world's problems, believe it or not, is through communication. And since we're not out there to solve the world's problems at this point, especially, what are we out there to do? Well, we're out there to be understood and to hopefully understand people. And on whatever level that may be, that's it's important. So it might be on a level of, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been working on a podcast now with somebody else, um, which is, is actually quite a serious podcast about two very particularly difficult things for me in my life, one of which is ADHD, and that sounds perhaps trivial, but if anybody uh, knows well or knows someone who suffers from it, it can actually be quite debilitating. And the other is, is uh, suicide, and I, I don't say that lightly, but I've lost many friends, including a few of my very best friends, and it's taken a huge toll on my life. And so I have a podcast coming out about that where I will be hosting, and it'll be a very serious podcast. And the intention there is to communicate um, things that people are afraid to discuss, or maybe they're, they are slightly reticent to discuss, or to discuss, rather, not discussed. And the, the purpose there is that I, I want to provide whatever outlet I can for myself, but hopefully have other people be able to gain something from it or reciprocate or, or maybe enlighten me. I mean, there, there's absolutely more times where I've had insights from people who've listened that have helped me shape the way that I see things and perceive things and, and move forward with my stuff um, than me enlightening them. And so part of why I've done it is because I like to have feedback from people that I would maybe not otherwise get. The other thing I like is that it's oftentimes a long-form conversation. So you sit around the campfire with a bunch of friends or around a, a dinner table or a, a card table or whatever. Some of them, those nights consist of some of the very best conversation you'll ever have in your life. Perhaps meaningless, perhaps so meaningful that you pine for that again. I mean, movies like The Big Chill tackled this in 1983, I believe it was, where you have a group of friends going through a, a crucial moment in time. And we all experience that at times in our lives when we graduate high school or when we leave college or we leave um, you know, a job we've been at for a long time or family moves or we move away. These are things in life that we have that kind of shape who we are in, in a lot of ways. And those little bits of communication are vital. And so podcasting is a way of, of compartmentalizing and delivering that on a very small scale uh, with regularity and frequency. And it can be quite fun and quite um, cathartic, I think, for people who have podcasts. And let's face it, who doesn't listen to podcasts these days, right? And it's, it's no longer a thing where if you subscribe, you have to listen to everything. You can listen to the first five minutes. You can listen to every second or third episode. But in the end, podcasting is, is, like anything else, a way for people to identify with other people on this planet. And that's kind of what it's all about. If we don't identify with others, if we don't seek to have a connection with others in some meaningful way, it's all kind of pointless. Uh, to your... To your point, I think that's uh, yes, you're you're right. It's like a long form discussion that you're starting in audio format, and hopefully, uh, you know, you end up receiving feedback from others, and you know, being able to influence their life in some meaningful way, and them do the same for you. I think that's that's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, like I'm, 
I, I know that um uh, during this last jazz slump that uh, Jared was texting me to try to podcast more often because because I need some jazz therapy. Yeah, that's what I said. Yep, I was going to. I was waiting for you to stop shuffling papers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could tell. I know. I could tell. As soon as as soon as I heard the crinkle, I was like, "Oh, yep, I hear the paper." <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, like this is yeah, this is as much for us as it is for an audience, I guess. Um, uh, uh, when I first started the podcast, I, I wanted it was because of jazz overreactions on Twitter. I wanted to be like, you know, I want to talk about these ideas that people are talking about in a longer way. Um, uh, when people were talking about trade scenarios or talking, cause when you're limited to, to 280 characters or whatever on Twitter, you're talking over each other and hopefully on podcasts, you're talking with each other. You know, you're listening to somebody speak for a few minutes to hear their whole point before you, you know, before you um, come in with your own opinion and help, it helps shape, shape your own opinion, I, I guess, or help them, uh, shape your own argument to their opinion, I guess. And so, yeah, that's why that's why I think podcast is great too. So, uh, I'm glad that we have a space uh, for jazz therapy, uh, as Jared calls it. Um, and uh, even when we just did uh, recently a quick 25 minute episode, it was uh, you know it was cathartic, you know, and, and helped. Uh, you know, our numbers don't do as well when the jazz lose because it's not as fun to to share in that moment. But we can share the joy when the jazz do well, when the jazz win. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll see more of that for the jazz because uh, um, not just for like my sake, but for um, uh, for all our sakes, just it'd be nice to to watch that and uh, have that, and we can all share in those joyous moments together. But also, counterpoint, misery does love company. So yeah, hey, it's a saying for a reason. Yeah. Well, and the funny uh, thing is that the the rating should actually be higher when the jazz lose, and that's not to say that. Um, that's not to say that we should revel in failure, but that's when we, I mean, really that's when we should be coming together as fan base and not in a way that's, that is over glorified as like, Oh my goodness. I, I hate everything. This is the end of the world or not. I can't, I, I can't even, we're going to win everything. It's we should come together just as happily and excitedly as fans when we're losing so that we can listen to other people talk about it. We can formulate our own opinions and we can, we can share those opinions and be influenced by others and, and actually enjoy the journey. Because I mean, if you want to liken it to sex, there's a very specific moment in sex that everybody can't wait for. But the whole journey is kind of what it's all about. Same thing with the jazz, same thing with anything else. Enjoy the season. Enjoy it all. Losses happen. It's going to suck. And we, there's no reason not to be pissed, up or pissed off or disappointed when it happens. But I think this uh, tendency to overextend ourselves in extreme joy or extreme sorrow is pathetic. And if we're going to balance that out, to use your force uh, analogy there, that's that's a good idea. And I think that should be more heavily slated towards enjoying jazz information and jazz talk when we're losing. Let's, let's talk about why we do care still. So I, I like the podcast even when we're losing. I I would definitely agree with that. I feel like 
a lot of times when you're not doing well is when uh, you want to withdraw from people the most, but it's when you need people the most. And so I think it's, it, yeah, it is really cathartic and important even to listen to something while we're losing. Now, there may not be certain voices that you want to listen to when you're losing. Like, for example, when we're losing, I'm not a really big fan of listening to what David Locke has to say because he just, it feels like he, uh, is trying to predict the future of what's going to happen next. And a lot of times it'll, when things are going poorly, he's basically pontificating about how it's going to continue to go poorly or something like that. And, you know, I mean, to each his own, but, but I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like in a big way we have this jazz community, which, I mean, we, we didn't have the same type of community. This online community didn't exist, you know, when the jazz were really successful in their finals runs and whatnot. And now that we have this, um, you know, we're also, we're so connected. It's, it becomes to a point where we're, we're disconnected from each other. And it, it really is kind of odd how it, how it turns on its head like that, that, you know, this unlimited access to each other and whatever, um, has, it turns into, oh yeah, I just want to unplug from everything. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anything about the team. You know, they're losing and it hurts my soul, etc. And I feel a lot like, a lot like who I went through a phase in my fandom where I just felt like, you know, it's, I want to care about basketball and win or lose. I just want to, you know, enjoy the ride because that's what it's all about. I mean, I'm a big Ute fan and as a fan base, uh, we had a big letdown last Friday and the way that, you know, sometimes people turned on the team and, and uh, you know, people, some people just, you know, I feel like in Utah, maybe, maybe it's a Utah thing that when people fan, they, they fan hard when you're winning, but when, once you lose, it's kind of like that support sort of evaporates and it's, it's a weird thing, man. I just don't, I don't understand it personally. I think that's a fan base thing. Yeah, I, I don't, I think, I don't so think that's unique to Utah. I think part of, part of the being a fanatic is in fact, the idea that we absolutely can't wait to show up to work tomorrow to talk about how great our team did, that mutual interest we share with others. And conversely, we, we can't wait to have uh, connected upset and misery when our team is failing and we, we can, we can take that in, but not take credit for the failure. So it's actually kind of a way to have some therapeutic representation of life where it's not us failing, but it's representatives we've chosen on the, on the sports world scale for us. Uh, it's interesting. It really is. It's fascinating. And I think that that happens pretty much anywhere you go. But that said, we see it here because this is our home base and it can be, it can be something. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Social yeah. media tends to, uh, over, I would say over represent yeah, that. It's, it, true. it's the extremity on both sides. When in, in reality, when I go to work tomorrow, I'll talk to three of the 12 people I work with about the game and it'll be fun. And then I'll move on with my day on yeah. Twitter. It'll be the next biggest thing until some <laughs> asshole decides to put up a baby Yoda thing. So, <laughs> Well, it'll be magnified, like because social media, we choose our bubbles, you know. So, oh yeah, and plus we magnify. You magnify the wins and you magnify the losses on social media. It just, it seems like that's true. I think because so. every, everything's about the now, and it's like ah, oh, they're hung. You know, 
everybody's hungry for, you know, what's coming next, that kind of stuff. Well, um, uh, guys, this was uh, super fun. Uh, glad that the Jazz won, but I'm more glad that we got to talk to um, uh, Matt here about just podcasting, live, jazz fandom, and everything. So it's a really fun episode, real great. I'm excited for your next podcast ventures there, Matt. Um, we've already um, uh, started um, uh, Jazz After Dark. As he said, um, uh, episode five will be releasing. Uh, the Empire will strike back tomorrow, uh, December 12th. Um, and uh, Jared, I'm, uh, again, hit your handle, Jared. Um, uh, your 49ers are going into the playoffs, looking like they might be the number one team in the in the uh, NFC. Well, it's going to come down to the last game of the year, uh, 49ers Seahawks. We'll That's see. It's going to be a big one. Oh, um, yeah. You can follow at him Seattle. At Go to the Go distance, distance 49. 49. Nice. nice. Um, so you're, you're a pretty big fan of the Steelers, then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Gary uh, at Gary lives is the handle. Uh, it's Matt Daniels. Matt, um, uh, thanks for joining us. And again, thanks for the great talk, man. Oh, really good. Uh, I hope that we could become better friends someday. <laughs> or just friends. You, 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 you mean you mean you wish you could get out of the uh, the acquaintance zone or yeah, whatever you're. So. <laughs> well, who you have my phone number and my measurements, so we're good. <laughs> measurements. Um. Uh. uh yeah, so <laughs> I didn't say you're impressed. I said we're good. Right, and so um, uh, yeah, and that's what um, uh, that's what that's it for the show, folks. Please um, uh, follow us on uh, Apple and Google and whatever they call those podcasts, uh, Stitcher and all that, all that, all that jazz. Speaking of all that jazz, you can follow me at Jazz High Notes. Um, uh, yeah, we're treating positive stuff about the jazz right now, so have fun, everybody. I stay out of the trade talks because you know that's another episode we'll do. Uh, and yeah, follow us on social media. Jared Barker runs our Instagram account. Oh yes, we have been. We have started a Jazz High Notes Instagram account. We're gonna start uh, trying to do little snippets of you know previews of episode, what to expect, you know, for that episode. Kind of you know, it's a little teaser, kind of get the word out about the podcast. Uh, follow us on there, Jazz High Notes, if you're so inclined. If not, uh, you know, that's fine too. Um, uh, yeah, and Jared, um, I think I, for the teaser for this episode, it's definitely going to be the sex analogy that Matt gets. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Um, uh, Not the measurements, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining Jared and I. We'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.